Welcome to the Lisa Show Book Club. I'm really excited. Um, today I'm joined by Karina, and this is part one of our conversation about Sherry Turkle's book, Alone Together, that we're reading for the book club, where we're covering chapters one and two. So we're kicking it off, um, and I'm really excited to have you here to talk about this really interesting book. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun to read. Okay, so um, there's so much to talk about right as we get right into the book because Sherry really lays out the entire kind of argument or arc about the book. It's really, really great. And one of the reasons why we chose at the Lisa Show to read this book alone together <laughs> to go um, along with our series of uh, Your Life on the Internet is to really be able to take a look at where we've been, to be able to make some predictions about where we might be going in the future. So right off uh, uh, from the very beginning, we see that we get a little bit of a history lesson about you know where we have have been going, and we were laughing at the very beginning. It talks about different um, you know thirty years ago, uh, people um, who had home computers were considered hobbyists. Yeah, you know, and and how much everything has changed in the past thirty years, and how that network is changing parenting and communication patterns and everything. And even though the book hasn't been written like right now, a few years ago, so much has changed since then, but it's still so um, pertinent to our day. So I'd love to know what your initial reaction to the beginning of this book was. Yeah. So I was, uh, I'll have to tell you, a little skeptical going into the book because uh, as somebody who's been uh, online essentially nearly for 30 years, that's a little embarrassing to say. Yeah, like a I saw my hobbyist. Yeah, a computer hobbyist. <laughs> At least my parents were. You know, they had computers. They were bringing home computers in the 80s to do their work. Wow. And so, you know, I've been around computers for a decent part of my childhood and my entire adulthood has essentially been lived online. Um, and I was a little nervous about reading this book because so often people come to the technology space with no understanding, no real understanding of where we've come from or how things have developed. Mm -hmm. And Sherry really knows her stuff. You know, I was so impressed that she actually was one of the students in the 60s and 70s who was at MIT and um, was playing around with Eliza, which was the first bot, essentially, that was purpose-built for um, you know, to be a therapy bot, essentially, to kind of help people deal with their feelings. And if you're thinking, oh, my gosh, the 60s, the 70s, yeah, yeah this stuff has existed I for a long time. I was surprised to yeah. hear that. I had no idea. Yeah, it was really one of the first AI things that was interfacing with humans for us to start playing around with and starting to build things that mirrored our own human experiences and emotions. And so immediately I was like, oh, she knows exactly what she's doing. <laughs> she's in. been here. I'm in. I really want to hear what she has to say. Yeah, and, and I love that she takes us on that journey um, because I'd never been explained to it that way. The, the way that I have seen robots and technology is my love of science fiction as a young sure. girl and reading a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. And so that that was my point of connection of saying, oh, we've actually really developed a lot of these things already, and I didn't know that. Um, I, I write from the get-go in the introduction, she um, talks about how face-to-face -face conversations are messy. And yeah. first of all, the first robots, the first kind of computers and technology, the reason that we are drawn to it and love it be is because it seems to make that communication easier, I mean, less messy. That thing of that really human feeling of, 
okay, I have to have a conversation with another human. How, what am I going to say? What are they going to say? How am I going to respond? Do I have something that I need to talk to somebody about? Or do I need to express a feeling? And that the point of the author bringing up that um, it is so human of us to want to reduce those friction points. Yes. And that is the thing that a robot often offers us is that a frictionless relationship, a thing where we don't have to get in and get nervous or expose ourselves or be vulnerable, that this thing is going to make up that difference for us and yeah. smooth those friction points and what it's like to build relationships with people. You know, right from the get-go, I was like, but do I relate to this? You know, like, would I buy a robot? Would I be at the first one that was like, and I think, well, I have a robot vacuum cleaner. Yes. You know, like any, <laughs> um, you know, my little kids had like little robot dogs yeah. and little robot cats yeah. and stuff because I was allergic. And, um, but I think that that kind of conversation, the more that I was reading, I was thinking, oh yeah, isn't this what we expect from social media? Isn't this what mm -hmm. we expect from texting? We're using technology, maybe not in like a formal robot setting, but we're using it to sort of um, shortcut that communication process. I love, um, she says, does it keep its human value if done by a machine? That is a ca the cautionary message at the heart of this book. So it, once we start having the conversations of what we want machines to take care yeah. of, then does it keep its value? So right from the get-go, we talk about how um, uh, when we think about robots, and Isaac Asimov wrote this in iRobot, which is one of my favorite books. The very first short story is about a robot taking care of a little girl. Yeah. We always talk about it in terms of caregiving. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious as to like what you thought about that when you read that. You know, this is it's so fascinating because we want that aspect of both caregiving and giving care are some of the first things that we wanted to experiment with when it comes to robots. And, you know, uh, Sherry talks in the book about, you know, that first generation of like robot toys, the Tamagotchis, the Furbies, yeah. those things that we gave to children for children to care for. And they're caring for these robots. And it was so fascinating to me because I think the author is – you know, comes from maybe a different place and time than I did. Um, and I remember Tamagotchis. I was a little old for oh, them. Oh, yeah, my kids you know, love but, them. Yeah, the, or they did. Or exactly. Or my younger siblings would have loved them. And so I looked at them at the time. I'm like, well, it's just dumb. It's just a thing yeah. that you, like, play with, right? Yeah. It's fascinating to me that, like, we – we had these things that we cared for and were responsible for raising like a Furby and teaching them language and interacting with them and, you know, having them respond to us actually performing care on them. Um, but do you still have your Furby today? Are you yeah. still like feeding your Tamagotchi today? I mean, a lot of those Tamagotchis are what, 20 years old at this point? Oh, yeah. I read somebody like a, a couple months ago saying, I went back to my parents' house to visit after being away. And oh my goodness, look, there was the Tamagotchi <laughs> from like 20 years ago. Yeah. I turned it on and immediately started like beeping at me. And you're like, do I feel any sense of sadness that I killed this thing because I didn't interact with it? And it's so funny because no, like those things are discarded everywhere. It isn't a permanent relationship that we took with us. And I had never before considered the idea of, well, should we be concerned about that? Like, you know, where kids like no. take care of dolls. <laughs> you think you say no. No, I think we shouldn't. <laughs> it's just a thing, yeah, right? But yeah. we're like experimenting yes. with what it's going to be like in the yeah. future. Be yeah. and, and I love how she connected, like how will intimacy and empathy change in a world where we give toddlers, baby bouncers, and potty trainers with a slot and a tablet 
or a smartphone. Yeah. Like if we're immediately putting technology in front yes. of kids, will that change how they grow up yes, and, and be empathetic and, and learn I don't connection. know if it changes empathy or anything, but I do think it rewires your brain. Anything you interact with yeah. at a younger age wires your brain in a certain direction or a certain way. And it's not that that stuff can't be undone or redone yeah. or repaved over, but it is certainly like one thing to think about. I do think that sometimes this is a little overblown because oh, you really? remember dolls and Barbies yeah. and it's not like... You also cut your precious baby's hair off yeah. when they were two years old and drew marker on their faces. Yeah. You just didn't do that, right? <laughs> like if you're a human child, you did not treat as one of your baby dolls. Right. You did not, in my husband's case, bury it in the backyard and forget that yeah. you left it there, mm-hmm. right? It's just right. not a thing that you did with a human child. And so I do think that there's something interesting about interacting with a technology toy or a technology experience in that way that allows you to try things out that you wouldn't try on a human or like kind of understand you're like, oh, well, that didn't feel good necessarily (laughs) Mm -hmm. to do that to this toy or now I don't really want to play with it. It's got marker all over it. I I do think that our interactions with um, technology and robots can be kind of a similar way. And I don't know if I necessarily like that. I don't want to develop empathy for a robot. I think that gets us into trouble. I'm like, I'm a Battlestar Galactica person. Like, like, let's not treat these things like they're human. They're not. I love it because when you say Battlestar Galactica, (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about because it's a great series, Um, especially the reboot. Oh, my goodness. But it brings up these ideas that they talk about right from the get-go of the book of, of, we have this moment. It's happening. Mm -hmm. It's, the train's already left the station Mm -hmm. but we have control about how we look at it and we should be a little bit more intentional about the the impact of technology on our relationships and what we're asking it to do yeah what what um what is actually happening what we thought would happen um i love um she brings up Sherry Turkle in the book Alone Together. Do we just want to feel more in control of relationships? Yeah, Is I a robot a better than nothing or does it have to be better than something? Yeah. I, you know, this is the tricky thing, right? Because I do think it's hard for people. Relationships are hard. I, yeah. Maintaining relationships over time are it's it's hard and some people and some and it's harder even for some people than others and so i understand this idea of you know if i had a robot girlfriend or if i had a robot caregiver you know because my kids don't talk to me anymore you know there's this thing that does care about me that does watch for me but it doesn't right like we as humans are filling in that gap of yeah. what we want from the other person and it's so much easier with a technology item versus a human because you and I have been friends for a long time. Mm-hmm. I can't assume that you are going to provide the level of care or part of the relationship that I may want. Like that's such a human experience. So such a human, human experience, human. right? Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about a robot, you're making up that side of the relationship. They are not filled with empathy. They mirror the empathy that they are provided or that they are programmed on. And maybe that's better than absolutely nothing. I can see cases where, you know, she talks in the book about, um, you know, elderly people who just want something to care for that isn't necessarily a living thing that could be harmed by Mm -hmm. somebody who doesn't remember to feed it or, you know, care for it in that way, but is providing that sort of neural empathy and something for them to care for that they don't have in another way. I really see that. I struggle with it 
multiplying that across other relationships yeah. and having it affect people's uh, either ability or willingness to engage with the people around them. Right. And uh, and we're seeing that when you like mindlessly sort of scroll. It's like we know we're looking for something, but we don't even know what we're looking for. And right. this is something that Sherry kind of anticipated and was able to sort of see that that would it was kind of the trend, like what what are we what are our expectations of technology, and are we being really intentional about uh, you know how we are forming relationships and nurturing them, yeah. or are we looking, are we being unrealistic in our expectations? I mean, I do think that we're unrealistic in our expectations for technology. Number one, yeah, and number two, that it will replace as much as we fear that it will replace, Ooh, because yeah. ultimately we're. Like these human creatures who crave that connection with each other. And the we saw that in the middle of the worst of the pandemic. Like we had all the technology in the world and it was not the same yeah. as seeing people being in the same place as people, feeling that exchange of chemical Even reaction. Even seeing people's faces. It was just yeah. not the same thing. And it, we all felt it really deeply, I think. And that's why I think sometimes it's a little overblown. Are you going to have edge cases where people don't engage with human relationships a hundred percent. You've always had those people that, mm-hmm. you know, struggle with it and find alternate ways of trying to fill that hole in their lives. Um, but I think especially as parents, it's that idea of helping to teach kids what's real and what's not in a relationship. What is being mirrored to you because it's a technology and what is and you're making up that difference versus the relationship you have with a human that can be messy but so much more rewarding. I think that's very well said. I really appreciate that perspective. I think, and Sherry proposes, that the better and more nuanced technology gets at mirroring human emotion, yeah. we're going to be able to fool ourselves into thinking, yes. oh, you're just as real as my friend. I mean, yeah. we, we already, to I mean, some extent, you thank are, you are already to doing your Alexa? I do. I, are you kidding? First of all, I don't have an Alexa. Are you kidding me? I'm not putting a robot out of my hands <laughs> Are, you really don't have one? I really don't have an Alexa. Are you? No, no. And that's, I'm like, I don't Should need something. Should I get rid of mine? No, I'm like, Karina, I really respect what you think. Really? Yeah, somebody gave me like, an, like a, a dot. I just love those, it for like, music. Things. Yeah. Yeah, no? 100%. No, no. I have smart speakers and I have not hooked them up to the robot. Because? Because I don't want, because I understand how that stuff works. And I understand that there are pieces that are, like that robot is always listening to you. And I don't know how much of that is being recorded and held in a database someplace to sell me socks later, and I just don't need it. So you're right. I am putting a little bit I of said friction too much, in there, <laughs> especially in my home. I get real That's mad at thing. Alexa too. I and don't I think, think Siri and I don't think Alexa. They're robots. I always try to have good manners. Because yeah, no. When there are or- they aren't real. So I want them it's to get me a good work assignment. Real. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I. I love that we, in these chapters, in Alone Together and The Nearest Neighbor, um, and, and when it talks about being alive enough, mm. um, it, and then it, it showed in the book so many stories about how kids love their robot yeah. and work for that love. Yeah. And the question is, is if a robot makes you love it, is it alive? It's kind mm. of like, you know, the Velveteen Rabbit know, kind of I thing. Know. You know, when you're a kid and you really did think that your baby doll was alive yeah. or whatever, yeah. um, or your stuffed animal and it was like a member of the family. And that kind of love and connection is what we're talking about. Does it matter if it's a robot or not? Is it something that you will carry into adulthood? It's an interesting question. Um 
But the real question that I wanted to ask you was relationships with robots are ramping up. Relationships with people are ramping down. And Sherry says, what roads are we traveling? Does it serve our human purposes? Do you think that the way that technology is being marketed and has um, developed, especially after the uh, publishing of this book, is are we headed in the right direction? What do you think? You know, it's really hard to say, are we headed in the right direction as much as we're headed in a direction? Yeah, what are we Are we prepared for the direction in which we are essentially taking ourselves by opting in to consuming this, this stuff because it makes our lives easier, because it decreases yeah. our friction points? And are we trading that convenience for something that's maybe essentially human? And maybe we are. And are we prepared to give so? that up? I don't. Well, that's the thing. It's this double-edged sword. I can say of like, no, face-to-face is better. And, yeah. But I have my phone with me all the time. Sure. I text more than sure. and I don't call anybody and I I, imagine calling someone well I did the other day and I just had to um (laughs) apologize profusely I'm so sorry for calling you on the phone but I have you know you know it was kind of an emergency but not really but whatever um we should be making more phone calls don't you kind of like (laughs) when the phone rings don't you go the audacity (laughs) like when the phone rings I could be doing something (laughs) how dare you and uh, so that road is we're already yeah. down the road. Um, I have this sort of uh, when I was reading a, th- these first two chapters, and I was thinking about like Eliza, and and and, and I thought, oh yeah, this is just like for kids. I had this creeping realization that we're doing it. We just don't have a face yeah. to the robot yet, yes. and it's probably coming. Yeah. And Siri and Alexa, sorry to say that out loud because I'm sure I just triggered anybody who's watching it. Um, it, it is widespread enough that mm-hmm. people are comfortable bringing it into its home. Yeah. And yeah, and that yeah. road, I'm always afraid that because I can't anticipate where technology is going, that I find myself in the middle of a road and it's too late to turn back. It sort of seems a little Listen, this is one thing. is scary. It's never too late to turn back. It's never too late to say, you know what, I'm just going to put this down. Or, you know what, yeah, I'm going to turn that off. And the best thing about robots is you just unplug them if you are tired of them. It just... <laughs> we need to, we, we can, we need to be free. more concerned with electrical <laughs> shutdown. Yeah, yeah, unplug <laughs> it. <laughs> just do it. So I, I do think it's less about us being worried for a future and understanding how to guide our children where this is a reality for them. Mm -hmm. And for so many who can just speak something to a robot and the robot plays a song or orders, you know, a gift or, Mm -hmm. you know, or is able to pull up the right show or the movie for the child immediately, this is just what their life is. And so for us, it's, I think, helping them articulate the difference between a relationship with something that can only mirror what you give it and the relationships with the people in their lives that really are meaningful to, um, to really help them develop as humans and understand that growth comes through those friction points, that growth comes through maintaining relationships and that is valuable over time. And I don't think we're going to lose that, but I do think it's especially incumbent upon parents to help kids reason through that. Because for so many kids, like the kids in this book who were loved their Tamagotchis, loved their Furbies, you know, Mm -hmm. you are now the parents whose children just speak into a remote and are, and that's how they interact with the world. And I don't think that the Tamagotchi 
Tamagotchis and the Furbies were the end of mankind, and neither will this stuff be. But interesting, making yeah. sure that those relationships are primary and that you value the human that you're talking to and understand that it's not technology and it isn't going to respond the way that you always wanted to it's or messy. expect, yeah. that it can be messy, that's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. That's where we as humans grow. Well, it's this idea of that the, if it's harder to work at and harder to earn, that yeah. it is is more satisfying. Yeah. To have. It, 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 Sherry Turkle uses the example of when you, we used to play with dolls, you had to do all the work. You had mm-hmm. to do all the imagining what the doll was saying and doing and the scenarios. And, I, you know, I just think about playing with Barbies and things yeah. like that. And you, you have to give them dialogues and storylines and all of that kind of thing. And, and the worry she just kind of proposes is that with a lot of these kind of toys uh, that talk back that are, are like robots, that are like the technology or even social media, you know, games and things like that that kids are on, it does a lot of that for them, that they're mm-hmm. not developing that kind of storyline. It's not as hard won. Yeah. And and some of it speaks to, you know, in my day, <laughs> which I relate to, you know, <laughs> and idealizing a past yeah. that is never going to be able to be yes. recaptured again. But part of it talks to, let's just be sure that we are setting up a system where we are, you know, we, we think that it's um, valuable to have this creative pursuit and to get into the messy of relationships because that's satisfying because we have the life experience for that. But what yeah. about these kids who maybe don't no. have the experience? I have an unwavering belief in the power of human imagination and creativity. Like this is the thing yeah. that sets us apart from the robots that we program. And no matter what we program into a robot as far as creativity and imagination, they are never as good as a human. It just isn't. So I do think that it's overblown. It's not like you're sitting there thinking about the terrible things that you did to your Barbie 20 years ago, 30 no, years ago. I mean, you just you bring really, it up. You know, maybe you do some apologies all the way around. Yeah, maybe I do. <laughs> maybe you do. But I, I, it is different. It's yeah. not better. It's not worse. It's just different. It's a, and yeah. the, the kids evolve and they still retain the humanness. I mean, we have allergies at our house. Yeah. And we had a robot cat for a while and I I think the kids thought it was going to be the answer to all their dreams they finally get a cat guess what I haven't seen that cat in years same. it lasted like maybe two months I have you the didn't same plug it story. in yeah you did, and like, it's in some it's just, drawer it's in some drawer right <laughs> yeah oh, no I, I don't think that we should be worried about that I think we should be excited to see okay. what our kids do with those that understanding of what a robot is and what they are, which is different. I, I appreciate you bringing up that like perspective because I don't want it to seem like that this book is like gloom and doom because I don't think that it is. I really do think that it's just laying this out and having a better under... The reason why I like this book so much is because it does just lay it out like this is what's happening. And mm. all I'm saying is, is this the road do that... This? Do we want this? Because we still uh, have control over what we want we are we can consume it or not and create it we can change it um and there's has to be these points of like evaluation along um but in in the chapter and under the subheading alive enough i did think it was interesting that um that a lot of these were uh technology this is just where we've gone is designed to give users a sense of progress in teaching it right Mm -hmm. and and just the that that you know, if you tortured a, a, a an animal, you would 
That's not good. It's like, don't do that. Red flag. I'm going to say flag. red flag. Send you to the school psychologist. Uh, rightfully so, right? But if you torture a robot or a doll, mm. you know, it's not the same thing. We all yeah. sort of like swung our Barbies around by their head or whatever. Yeah. And you wouldn't do that with something that's alive. And so as robots become more sophisticated and be more real life or lifelike, there may be a tipping point where that it does cross over into the dangerous because kids will have a difficult or more difficult time being yeah. able to distinguish between an object and something that's real yeah. than adults. Yeah, that and it was just that I, that idea of like desensitization, especially like in video games. Like if you're designed to just kill inanimate objects or the virtual, you kind of come desensitized to it. And it makes it a little bit easier. You know, this is the whole argument yeah. with video games and violent video games and things like that. But, um, but there is just, it's like just a, a moment of pause of... Okay, so how far along as these te- this technology gets more and more real and the lines are blurred, do we have a different responsibility? This is fascinating because, again, I come down on the side of, like, robots are robots and we do not need to treat them with <laughs> the kind of respect that you treat a human, 100%. But okay? you know people will. Uh, yes. I mean, we have that instinct to care yeah. and, you know, to take care of something that is put in front of us and put into our hands. And that's incredible. That's what makes us human, right? But um, – I like that Sherry brought up that some designers of products figured out that there are essentially some ways that perhaps if you mistreated a robot toy or a robot, you know, if you mistreated a robot toy in a certain way, it would turn off. Kind of signaling to kids that like you can't treat something like this and then it stops functioning, which is maybe a really valuable, <laughs> valuable segue to like a human relationship. Mm-hmm. If you turn something upside down and shake it, it doesn't want to be friends with you anymore. And you know, like the that cat is, runs away. The cat runs away. And you try to put it in a exactly. baby's doll dress just hypothetically. Yeah, like Somebody just, did that. There's nothing like a cat to teach you consent, right? Yeah. <laughs> just yep. what is okay and what isn't. Yep. And I think that that is something that we can ask for and demand in the toys and the consumer products that we bring into our lives is that level of thought and care at the product design level to make sure that, okay, if you mistreat something, maybe it turns off or like this doll is not functional anymore. And that's something we as consumers can control. We can, you know, specifically buy those things versus the other things. And I, yeah, and I appreciate you saying that because Sherry does say we do have the control and this is, the, you know, where we sort of end in this beginning section. And I appreciate your thoughts so much, Karina. Thank you so much for being here and giving a, a, a very informed and positive view of how we're starting, not just in the book of, of where we're going with technology, just but also in like, you know, the human race and where we're headed. I appreciate your optimism. Yeah. Look, <laughs> with what we fun have things control. are coming. Fun things are coming. Fun things are coming. Fun things are coming. Yeah, and especially um, here. Uh, so thank you so much for watching the Lisa Show Book Club. Fun things are coming. We have been talking to Karina for our, our part one, uh, covering chapters one and two on our series with Sherry Turkle's book, Alone Together which is what we're reading for this series. And uh, make sure that you join us next week as we dive right into part two, covering chapters three and four of Alone Together. 